Hello and welcome to this new edition of the Fuji podcast. For the next stop of the virtual Jack World Tour, I'm not crossing any borders. Welcome to Belgium. Welcome to the Fuji podcast, all your news about OpenJDK. This Java user group World Tour has already brought me to a lot of different countries. But for this episode, I decided to stay at home. The Belgian Jug started in 1997 and was the birthplace for DevOps, DevOps for Kids and Vox Days. And in our capital Brussels, we can join Blue Jug since 2010. So there's a lot we can talk about to learn more about communities and conferences. I'm Olivier Hugo. I'm the manager of the Brussels Java user group. I've been a freelancer in the JVM ecosystem for nearly 20 years now. Um, and so, yeah, I'm passionate about everything related to IT, uh, team management and so on. Hey, so my name is uh, Stefan Janssen. I founded uh, the Belgian Java user group in 97. The year before, I actually started uh, JCS, which was a Java consulting company in Belgium. And then later on, BJUC started organizing events, which was Java Polis, rebranded in 2008 to DevOps. And that's what I now do part-time, is uh, organize DevOps Belgium. Yes. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Tom Coles. About 13 years ago, I graduated as a high school teacher. I, I felt too young at the time. I was 21 to go into teaching for the rest of my life and tell people how the world worked when I didn't know it myself. So I decided to transition into tech. So I studied uh, IT, fell in love with Java uh, in school, did my internship at a company called InfoSupport, where I still am today. And for InfoSupport, I'm a software consultant, uh, Java community lead, and I'm also a pretty frequent uh, conference speaker at the diverse uh, conferences. And I think more important for this conversation is that I co-founded the Antwerp Jug together with my wife, and I'm currently organizing the Belgian Java user group. Thank you. And I'm Frank Laporte, technical writer at Azul. Uh, doing software stuff more than 30 years since I graduated. <laughs> Tom, sorry, I'm a bit older. And also joined a bit of the organization of the Belgian Jug uh, the last year. Stefan, as the founder of the BJUG, can you tell us a bit about uh, its history? In 95, I was working for a financial uh, consulting company doing uh, corporate and retail banking solutions. And I was working in, uh, I was living in uh, Australia and Sydney for six months doing a migration of a project there. And that's when I, in 96, I started playing with Java in the evening because I had nobody really, no family there. So I had to do something. And that's where really the spark of, of writing Java applets and having Duke moving on your browser screen, you know, that's where the enthusiasm got to because we didn't have any animation at, at that time in browsers. And then uh, I came back from Australia and I wanted to meet uh, like-minded people. And that's where I started uh, the Belgium Java user group in 97. And basically it was, uh, I think I, I did events every every week uh, in the office of the company I was working at, FICS uh, it was named. And that's really where I really started networking and finding other people. And it also created a, a platform for me to start my consulting company. So I think in 98, I started JCS, which was a Java consulting company, uh, which grew really rapidly. I mean, we had like 35 people in 2000. So like two years later or three years later, and it became too big. So I just decided to, to sell it uh, because it, it, there's always this, this decision point when you reach a certain number of employees mm -hmm. is that either you become a full-time uh, shrink, uh, sorry, a CEO, 
or you become <laughs> or you want to stay a CTO and do technical stuff. So I, I decided to sell the, the company so I could continue doing technical stuff. And it's actually in that time in 2001 that I then also, because I had a bit of financial buffer, that I decided to actually, with the Java user group, start a, a one-day conference, which was Java Polis. So uh, you say you started the, the BJAC. Was it you organizing everything or did you have a team around you, volunteers? Yeah, there were definitely different people that I actually dragged into the, the journey, uh, for sure. Uh, one person was Ditter Deremote. Uh, he used to work at some microsystems at that time. Uh, it's it's hard to remember. I should really do a lookup of all the different people. I know like your veins and there were lots of people that basically were starting to see the same enthusiasm of, of the potential that Java brought and, and they basically helped. Uh, but it was me who put the signature on the, mm -hmm. the Visetwe, the, the non-profit organization. And then really when it turned into a one-day conference, uh, I had to actually go into a more legal entity because a lot of people don't know this, but the first three years when I ran Java Polis, I was losing a lot of money mm -hmm. uh, because I was green behind the ears. I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, you know, if I would not have sold JCS at that time, I would have probably stopped after the first edition because my mm -hmm. wife was constantly saying like, what the hell are you doing? You know, <laughs> you're just losing money. Uh, so luckily I had that financial buffer and and then after three years it was break even. Uh, mm -hmm. And many, many people, I, I don't want to mention too many names because I will forget mm -hmm. so many, but there were so many people also involved who joined the program committee, the steering committee. And it was like this collaboration amongst peers and, and developer enthusiasts who helped mm -hmm. me push it forward. Yeah, we've seen that at the last DevOps where we had the gathering around what will we do with BJUK? And we've seen that many people who actually were involved in the first organization were there again. Uh, Olivier, uh, to, to switch to BruJUK, so that's something you started in 2010 or someone else started it and you got involved? It was actually uh, Natasha Karl that started it. And at the time I was what um, Scott Hanselman calls the dark matter of developers. So it's the huge mass of developers which don't go to conference might not even know which conference are available to them. And luckily, I noticed a post on LinkedIn, I think, back then, saying, if you're interested in Java, let's have a beer in a, in a bar nearby in Brussels. And so I said, yeah, why not? And I went, and uh, and that was the, the, the kickoff sessions of the project. And there, there was Tasha that was explaining what was her vision about what the project would uh, would be that it should be a, a way to share freedom uh, knowledge uh, as free as possible that to be as inclusive uh, as possible and so i first started as a, as a simple attendee and the, the beginning um, like like any other uh, community was quite hard because you you need to have that critical mass of uh, regular attendees that will bring new people and, uh, and and make noise about you even and uh, and we were uh, at the time struggling to find good places and good locations where people would join because it was happening in the evening in Brussels and you know that the traffic uh, conditions in Brussels is quite horrible uh, and so it was a, a, a bit of a struggle for for us to to find and at that time, I think I had the idea to ask to schools if they were, if they were interested in uh, sponsoring the event by providing a location. And I was quite lucky to find a school which was at 
the center of Brussels, basically, and that did offer us for the next 10 years a location for mm-hmm. free where we could uh, welcome our guests and our attendees. And uh, that's how it started. And I think three years uh, after the inception, I took over because Tasha decided to decided uh, to take a different path, and uh, I took over and has been uh, in charge since then. Mm-hmm. Something I've seen with, with when talking with uh, all these jugs is uh, a lot of them are not organized anymore by the the people who started it. So it's really the community who keeps them alive and and just keeps them uh, evolving. Tom, you have a bit of strange story about the Antwerp jug because you call yourself the king of bad timing. That's what I heard during one of your talks. Yeah, it's not actually the king of bad timing. I usually say the winner of the bad timing awards. So, so let, let's re, let rewind a second. I just recovered from a burnout. And during my burnout, I had a lot of soul searching. And I was like, okay, I can't keep doing what I was doing before. I need to do some things that really give me a lot of energy. And what gave me a lot of energy were these community events, going through to jugs like Olivier's jug. I was at the brew jug quite a few times, even spoke there a couple of times. And that was the, the atmosphere, the feeling that I wanted to have more of in my life. So I decided to found the Antwerp jug. Now the bad timing comes when I say that I had my burnout in the summer of 2019 and I recovered around February 2020, which is when I made a Twitter profile. And yeah, let's say March 2020 was a bit of a, hmm, are we still going to do this? And two months later, I think we were like, yeah, it's not going to last that long. Uh, Together with my wife, we said, yeah, we're just going to organize something in May. Uh, Let's get going. Let's do it online and we'll see. Uh, we did one event online with uh, Helen Scott and Johan Janssen, uh, which had, uh, I believe, no Antwerpian people, but people from all over the world, which was nice in its own sense, but not really what we wanted to do. And then we had one other event uh, that had Billy Corando from the Oracle team online uh, as a hybrid format. And the other speaker, yeah, I'm looking at him. Hi, Frank. <laughs> so Frank was my other speaker because I've been, uh, I was watching him online quite doing a few fun things with raspberry pi so i was like hey frank i want someone local because uh, i actually want to have it more local let's uh, let's get this going but in the end yeah covid lasted a bit longer the events didn't work out that well so <clears throat> antwerp jerk was just pure bad timing in a way i guess stefan also for the conferences that was should have been a nightmare i think but to, to be honest the first lockdown period i was going like Yoo-hoo! sabbatical you know <laughs> because it is a bit like groundhog day uh doing a conference like devox i mean every year it's the same rhythm and you're just repeating yourself and that's what i say to mark hazel as well i actually have these golden handcuffs because the community expects you to organize this but after a while you go like well i've, I've experienced all the highs and all the lows mm. And it's really a challenge to still find new, exciting speakers or topics or experiences. So you need to keep it uh, interesting for the organizer as well. And so that's always a bit of a challenge. But like, yeah, so the first year I was like, oh, I don't have to do DevOx Belgium. I can just relax, go on holiday. Uh, Shit, no, no holidays because you couldn't go on a plane either. So after one year... When it's so, I decided not to do DevOx. I didn't want to do a virtual one. We mm-hmm. did do a DevOx Ukraine uh, virtual one, and I I just had fun developing a platform to do conferences online. So at least I could do, do still do a bit of coding. 
But after the second year, I was starting to get really bored and I really wanted to organize it again. I mean, it was more than enough one year of, of, of rest. So I was really happy that I could, I mean, we skipped two editions and then last year we were able to do it again, our 19th edition. And I was really happy. And I even said it on stage during the welcome keynote. I think, you know, you, you just see what you're missing when you're unable to organize it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I said like, you know, I, I would love to just keep on organizing it until I drop dead, you know, ideally on stage, like that would be nice. Just drop dead on stage. That would be a nice way to go. After your keynote. <laughs> it would be traumatic, traumatic. <laughs> for a lot of attendees so maybe not the best idea but no so i i I think the whole pandemic just showed me that i really love doing this and i would love to do this for many years to come Mm -hmm. i think also the community showed it because your attendees were also waiting for the new conference because the tickets sold out in five minutes crazy in five minutes so we had two luckily we were anticipating this a bit so we had two batches one batch of 2200 tickets and another batch of 750 tickets the first batch was sold out in five minutes and the second batch in two seconds. So that was like, holy hell. I mean, the first batch, when it was out in five minutes, we were like really enthusiastic, like what the hell is happening? But then the phones started to ring and, you know, then the, these companies and so on, they go like, hey, I'm a sponsor and I didn't, I had no chance to buy a single ticket. And I promised all the developers in the company they should, they could go. So like shit hit the fan very rapidly. And in the afternoon, the excitement basically turns 180 and then we were like a bit depressed. And, and so luckily we had the second batch. So mm-hmm. we were able to actually get a bit of those tickets to, to the sponsors. And that's why a lot of sponsors said, okay, well, if I can't buy more, I'll have my 1000 developers ready and just refresh when you open the registration. And that's why the, and that's what happens. All the other one. Yeah. But um, we definitely learned from that. Yeah. You could improve your ticketing system indeed. And test it. it was a stress test, I think, for your system. Well, luckily it was running on Kubernetes and we had like four pots and they barely reached like 40%. So scalability with Kubernetes for just that amount was not a problem at all. Um, I think there's only one other event I know of in entire Belgium that does that has this amount of ticket sales and that's Tomorrowland, mm-hmm. the best festival in the yes. world probably. So without a doubt devox belgium is the best conference in the world with just just on that metric and maybe also one of the biggest i think in number of attendees well since this year we're not the biggest in Belgium. well no hold on there's a few angles so from a devox perspective devox france has actually surpassed devox belgium uh, they sold out in 13 minutes and they had a total of 3800 attendees uh 3800 people attending mm. all in and next year, they've added a second level in uh, Palais de Congrès, which is the biggest venue you can have in Paris, and they will be able to reach 5,000 people. So wow. Devox France is the biggest, but it's only three days. So we're still the longest in number of days. And it's for Devox France, it's all French, and meaning the, the majority of the attendees are also from France. So it's more a national event, and Devox Belgium is more an international event. But that's totally fine. I mean, I don't have to be the biggest or largest or whatever, because, you know, at Kinepolis, where we have been organizing DevOps for the last 22 years, I've reached the maximum venue since since many years. So if you can't scale vertically, I want to scale horizontally mm-hmm. over all the different DevOpses. And that's really by design. So COVID had an impact on Antwerp, Jack, because, yeah, that really interrupted your startup and it has interrupted the conferences. What was the effect for BrewJack in Brussels? 
the effect was more or less the same. I think we all suffer from the Zoom fatigue, uh, and there were already a lot of good conference, big conference that started uh, having their uh, online version, and they were well more equipped than I was. I didn't have any equipment to do a proper recording and to have uh, attendees uh, all over the world and recording those uh, appropriately. So I just decided that it was not worth it to spend efforts and money trying to set up something while there was already all those great contents that were produced uh, uh, online. So, uh, yeah, we just waited for the, uh, that the pandemic was over. And then we we restarted this year, uh, basically. It's been a bit harder uh, to restart than I anticipated because uh, one of the many positive aspects of uh, the pandemic was the increase of uh, remote working, which means that it had, in general, greatly uh, increased the um, work-life balance of many people. The downside for jugs and other community events is that um, there is less people uh, working in Brussels, uh, less commuters, uh, which means that it's a bit more difficult for us to uh, have as many attendees as we used to have. I think that's something we will manage over time and find a, a, a new balance. Yeah, people went from work to jug to home. Yes. And now they have to go from home to jug to home again. So I think uh, for a lot of people, that's indeed a, a different approach. And I heard from other jugs that they are indeed struggling to get people back to, to their jug. I think that also reflects a bit what happened with DevOx is that a lot of people are working at home and they use like these two days or three days events as a team building to get out of your home bubble and actually meet your colleagues in person and have a beer, etc. So I think for the events who are taking over multiple days, it, it's actually better. But yeah, the, the meetups in the evening, they're, they're definitely struggling all over the place. Uh, yeah. Actually, this is a call to action we should do for the jugs because people can come to jugs to really meet people again. So not only colleagues, but also other people from, from the community. Yeah. Uh, a bit about the history of, of BJUG. Um, so you started this, Stefan, a long time ago. But last year, I was, I think it was in September, I was uh, in Prague visiting my Azul colleagues for the first time there. And late in the night, I got a call from Tom, who said, yeah, I was on Meetup. I wanted to visit, to check the status of BJUG. And I saw that this Meetup page was open for someone to take it over. What should we do with it? That was actually the, the rebirth of, of the BJUG together with uh, a session we had at DevOx. Uh, Tom, can you tell us a bit more about this story? Yeah, of course. So actually, uh, we have to go back a couple of months before, because together with uh, Olivier, uh, myself as Antwerp JUG lead at that time, still desperately trying to get that thing going, and uh, Renato, the leader of the Belgian Scala user group, we sent in a Birds of a Feather session for DevOps to really like, entice people to, come on, let's go, we can do this. We're back, DevOps is back, the meetups can come back as well. And I talked to, to Stefan as well uh, in a call we had saying, hey, Stefan, uh, how can you help? How can DevOps or BJUG even help us to, to kickstart these communities again? And I believe Stefan said to me, yeah, but why are you asking me what? we can do for you why don't you ask what what the the jugs can do with b jug and uh, i was really thinking about this and yeah okay okay and then indeed one day i open meetup and what do i see that the the big orange banner this meetup is looking for an organizer 
and I texted Stefan like, hey, Stefan, uh, I don't know how this happened, but if I click this button, I'm the, the new organizer and leader of the jug, right? <laughs> it was like doubting. He said, yeah, just go for it. Uh, I called you asking like, if I'm going to click this button, I do not want to be alone in this because I want to keep this going. Uh, and then I basically reserved the jug and said that evening, okay, I'm going to be the organizer. Uh, my main motivation, the, the first time I clicked I want to organize was I do not want the jug, which had 1,200 people or something. I don't want that thing on meetup.com to end up in the hands of some recruiter company that will abuse the good name for vile recruiting purposes and lose a lot of the soul of what it means to, to have a jug. So uh, I held on to it. Eventually, a few months forward, we were at the DevOps at the, the buff session. We had a few nice people that said, oh, yeah, let's do this. But we really want to do something together. We, we all want to get involved. So that's where we set kind of the, the vision for the, the jug moving forward. Uh, the, the, the vision mainly is anyone can contribute. Everything is on GitHub. We just have an issue list. If you want to host an event, pick up a task. If you want to, uh, if you want a new logo, this happened recently. We said, hey, I want a new logo for the jug. And someone from the community just said, hey, I, I saw this issue on GitHub. I did it. Here's the new logo. What do you think? And it's the new logo of our jug now. So we tried to make it as collaborative and inclusive as possible. And the first, uh, well, I actually quickly realized while being at DevOps that while I wasn't quite sure that I was going to organize it in the end, I realized that I was actually in the ideal position to do that because I've been speaking at conferences. So whenever I wanted a speaker that's a bit more famous, let's say, I could just walk up to them and say, hey, do you want to come? So actually the buff session was during or right before the speaker dinner and the, the buff ended i walked straight into the speaker dinner where I walked to anna maria from the oracle team and said hey anna you want to be our first speaker she said yes and we've been going every month since then so mm -hmm. that's about the story so stefan that the fact that buff session at devox re-kicked bjug is not completing the circle uh, sure, absolutely. And, and again, it's by design, right? I mean, uh, DevOps is there to enable and, and connect the dots and, and, and try to really, you know, work as a surface to, to, to stimulate, you know, collaboration, etc. So for me, it was a no brainer. I mean, we've been doing uh, both sessions for Java user group leaders since many editions. I mean, in the beginning, it was still Oracle basically hosting it where they were really inviting all the jug leaders at DevOps for from a European uh, perspective. But but yeah, I mean that's where that's why DevOps is there. I mean it's not only it's not only knowledge sharing, but it's definitely also allowing people to network and, and I think if I would get a dollar from all the companies that got started at DevOps, I mean I would definitely uh, be uh, a rich person. But just to just to complement uh, Tom's uh, story, I mean I actually decided in 2015 to stop with organizing BJUK. So I, I basically passed the torch onto Daniel De Luca, Tim Peter, Steen van den Ende, Johan Vos, Hert Leenders, and David Delavasi, who were already part of DevOps and BJUK, because I wanted to focus on the DevOps family and also the Vox Days initiative, because I wanted to really, I, I've been doing Belgium for so many years that I wanted to do the European uh, challenge, you know, just basically you know, getting new opportunities, but also new challenges for myself. And to, to be honest, in 2015, it was a bit dormant. It was, they, they did a few events, but they were really not that active. And then of course the pandemic happened. And then luckily uh, the meetup expired and, and Tom saw <laughs> this opportunity, which is great. I mean, I can only applaud his initiative and, and 
no, yeah, that I'm really, really happy, and for sure, the circle is round now. I can make it even more complete. Actually, the the last event that was organized before, well, it kind of stopped, and then eventually I took over, was the DevOps speaker mentoring event with uh, IBM Steve Pool in Brussels, where you were as well, Stefan. And that was actually the first speaker event that I ever went to, and that kickstarted my speaking career. So it's also because I remember what the BJUG did for me in that event that I recently restarted the speaker training for the BJUG. And we recently had our first, uh, I, I talked to the Vox Brussels uh, person, so that's Stan. And I, I told him, hey, I have a few new speakers. Could we get maybe a quickie slot to get these people going? And last week, oh, my, my heart was just so happy to see one of our attendees that was on the speaker training stand on stage and do a really good presentation. And that's, I think, what, what it's all about, enabling people, making them better, and having a lot of fun with Java in general. But definitely enabling people is also an important one. Uh, a couple of weeks ago at DevOps UK, there, I went to a session where four speakers who had never presented at a conference before got trained by the London Java user group. And they did an amazing job. And it really like it touched me emotionally just to see like these people trying to really get into the traveling circus because the, it is really like that. I mean, I go to a lot of DevOxes and Vox days, and you constantly see the same speakers popping up. But it's really, really important to get also new speakers into this circuit. So we get some new fresh ideas, new fresh faces, and also the diversity, etc. So yeah, these initiatives like BJEC is doing and, and that we've been enabling is really important because you have the rock star usual suspects, mm -hmm. but we definitely need to have also, there's so many, I mean, the problem with developers, a lot of them are really introverts and they really are afraid in standing in front of an audience. But once you are able to make that step, you know, it's an eye opener and it really opens up so many new doors uh, from multiple perspectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I would like to add to that, that the person who uh, participated in our speaker event recently, what, what his barrier was, he, he was quite confident he could stand in front of, of an audience, but he thought that his topic wasn't relevant. And his topic was, uh, he, he entered tech as a, as a more senior person in age, not senior as in experience, but he called himself a senior junior developer. And he thought, oh, but this isn't something that conferences would accept. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is exactly the kind of stories that I want to hear at conferences. And what was the one of the nicest moments for me last week during Vox Brussels was Ibrahim finished his session and after the session, people came to him and asked him questions like, how was your journey? How can, how can, could I do things a bit differently? Like it really had an impact. And that was just like, see, told you we need these kind of different perspectives because else it's like, like Stefan said, it's usual suspects and sometimes maybe a bit too technical focused. Well, it could be a bit of a broader range. All the recordings of Fox Days Brussels are online, I've seen. Also the quickies. So let's yes. add a link to that specific uh, session that you're talking about so that people can take a look at it. Brujok, uh, Olivier, uh, has quite some history. Were you able to introduce new people into speaking with your jug? I don't know if we really had uh, people that were presenting into other events, but we definitely organized uh, at least uh, the last three years before the pandemic. Each year we had a special session for what that we called new blood uh, for first time speaker, where we, we had sessions of maximum 15 minutes and we had 
at least four people presenting topics that they were interested in. And it had to be somewhat related to Java, somewhat related to IT in general, but it could be quite broad. And, and, and I would say that it was indeed some of the most interesting sessions we had because the perspective were different because it was topic that we were, uh, that were not trending at the moment and that were not already uh, talked over and over and over. So it's, it's, Definitely interesting that we have uh, experienced speaker uh, talk and explain technologies and developer advocates that are promoting uh, the, the products because people don't always have other sources of information. So it's always good to have these uh, as an eye opener, but it's also very important for, for us to, to give this stage for anyone. And, and that's what I always tell to anybody who is willing to give a talk, uh, because that's one of the questions when you register to the meetup is, are you interested in giving a talk? And for people that say yes, well, please just send me a mail. Tell me, yes, I would like to give a talk. It doesn't matter if it's your first time. Um, if you're not confident in uh, having a full session, 50, uh, 50 minutes of talk, we can introduce, uh, put you in front of a, a more experienced speaker. So you have your first 15 minutes of talks. And then the, the, I would not say the main, but the, the more experienced talk later on. And, uh, and that's, and we can give you feedback week, but at least you have this opportunity. You have this stage. You have, uh, a, a friendly uh, attendee uh, that are there to support you. And so that's really important for us. Yes. I think that's an important message. If someone thinks about starting to speak that, that the jug audience is not there to judge you. They are really interested. They want to see what you want to talk about. So people should not be afraid to try it out. Even as an experienced speaker, I usually trial run my, my sessions at the jug because it's smaller, it's cozier and I, I, like I did a new talk last week at the Utrecht Java user group and the amount of feedback I got, even small things like you are a bit too fast here. Uh, you, you can really interact with people a bit better than you could at a conference. Plus I would never send in a new talk to a conference because uh, uh, Stefan will tell you, he gets like thousands of abstracts. And I think starting at a jug is always a good idea because it gives you time to refine your talk, know where the pauses are, know what's interesting to your audience. Because when I create a new talk, I practice it for myself. I practice it to my wife until she gets tired of it. But then I want to move out in the world and see what, what do other people think? What do they want to hear? Is it resonating with people? And if it isn't, then a jug is a really good place to start. And I think a good talk is like good wine. It gets better over time. You need to really refactor it a bit and practice it. And if you do it a couple of times, after you know the fifth edition or the fifth iteration of a talk, it, it, you nailed it, and that's the moment you should you should submit it to DevOps if you're not a rock star speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, as well as of course, as an organizer, we also have a bit of a, a responsibility to protect the speaker. You don't want to throw a speaker in front of 800 people where you have Dimitris taking photos while you're speaking, the videos are streamed, etc. Because it's also your reputation on the line. So you know you do need to have a bit of confidence and have a bit of a track record. And like Tom says, a Java user group is a perfect. Uh, ground uh, a perfect basis to actually nurture your, your talk and your experience in talking 
Stefan, you already mentioned you moved from DevOps Belgium to France to Vox Day, so you're you're building an, an empire of, of conferences. Um, but I also saw that you actually started organizing DevOps for Kids already in 2012. I'm myself. I'm involved with Code Dojo, which is a bit the same thing. So I really love the, the community thing happening again at these events because they really want to inspire kids to not only start programming, but also present, work together. What was your motivation to start with, with the four kids? It's actually a nice anecdote is that my son, who was 11 years at that time, he came to me and he said, Dad, I want to learn to program. I was like, you know, I fell off my chair first. <laughs> and I said, what? And so I was like looking around and trying to find resources. And well, the problem was that the majority of the resources, and again, this is 11 years ago, were in English. There was actually almost no really tutorials for children. So I went to him and said, like, you know what I'll do? I'll organize a DevOps for kids just for you. And that's where it started. <laughs> so I, I organized a DevOps for kids only for him. And and that basically, you know, well, you know, I was already running DevOps, so I have all the contacts, etc. And I think we organized it in one of the high schools in Ghent or in Kortrijk. I can't remember because we did multiple ones. I know Tasha also joined from, from Brujuk, and she really helped with the, the Now Robots, uh, where she really introduced the robotics to, to children. And I, I basically got the, the the old gang from DevOps, like Daniel De Luca joined and many others. And it was a chain reaction. I mean, a lot of uh, parents uh, had the same situation where they have children around 10-ish years, like Aron Gupta, for example. And they basically took the brand DevOps for Kids and they ran with it. And we started a nonprofit in Europe, uh, one in America, one in South Africa. Uh, I think it was yeah, three continents. And different people basically used the brand. We published everything online. Everything was open sourced. And it was really crazy. It went like like this. Even at the moment where we had DevOps for Kids at Java 1, actually at Oracle, where we had like 500 children during one day in San Francisco. And we're like, bloody hell. <laughs> this was like really touching a sensitive spot. But the funny thing was, is that then I said like to my son, like, so are you going to do informatics? And he was like, no, it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he tried, you know, he looked at it. and But he actually said like one of the things was like, well, if I do pro uh, informatics, I will just compete with you and everybody will compare me with you. And he didn't want to have that type of competition going. I was like, damn, you know. Yeah, but being a programmer is indeed not the end goal of Coder Dojo DevOps for Kids. Like, uh, if I look at the kids that come from the organization I did, some are now uh, game developers, some are doing pro product design and using Arduino in their yeah. product design at school. So that's really the thing: is learn to work with computers, what you can achieve with them. And but it's indeed great that that initiatives like DevOps for Kids are indeed sharing this content and making it available to everyone. Eh? And the other thing which I think was the most uh, eye-opening uh, from, from this whole initiative was that I think about 30 to 35% of the children were girls. Mm -hmm. um, and it really inspired a lot of female attendees uh, to actually go into informatics uh, because at that age, at 10, maybe already, but there, there were, we had younger children as well, like even six, seven, eight, at that age, they were not yet manipulated by society in mm -hmm. thinking that girls shouldn't be doing IT. 
And so it is at that age that you actually had to solve the diversity, well, the gender problem that we have had in the in IT business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's getting better. I mean, definitely also in DevOps and in general, we see a lot more female speakers doing presentations, which like 15 years ago, it was mainly dominant uh, mm-hmm. male male yeah. speakers. I, I like to believe that thanks to Code Dojo and DevOps for Kids, the last 10 years, the number of, of girls in IT has been growing. I don't know if it's only our responsibility, but... Of course not. It's a group <laughs> effort, of course, right? But you it's just try effort, to do yeah. your 25 cent worth of you know added value. Mm-hmm. I've seen that most chucks use Meetup to organize the, their stuff. Um, now, uh, Stefan, with, with DevOps, yeah, it's a bigger scale. You mentioned Kubernetes already. Um what kind of machinery do you have to organize everything? As I told you, when I sold JCS, I really decided to to stay as a developer and, and really play with technology. And, and so for me, organizing DevOps is a, luckily all the non-technical things I can delegate to my wife. So again, Tom, you know, working with your wife, it, she's my partner in crime and we're very complementary. Uh, we spoke about that, Frank, as well at Vox Days mm-hmm. Brussels. She's totally not technical, but it's a good thing because if she would not be there, I would have been bankrupt 10 times in a row, right? Because I'm I'm creative and I like doing things with code, but don't ask me to do accountancy or all those type of things, right? So that's, that's rather important. And so for me, being able to still do development in a way that it benefits DevOps is really for me where I get the excitement, you know, like doing AI, R&D, because I used to do R&D at the financial company. And so still being able to do research and development, but in function of DevOps or Vox days, that's where I get the pleasure. So building the CFP, I mean, I'm not the best developer, but I'm a very motivated developer. So I'm constantly refactoring, rechanging, and I go to all these events and you learn new things. They go, oh, job runner. Okay, I need to include it in, in, in the application. And so after so many iterations, it it becomes a stable product. And so the CFP is really like for me, the conference in a box type of tool, which DevOps and Voxdays uses. And then we have the registration app, which was uh, initiated by Celestino, who got inspired by DevOps. And I used to, I I had built a Vardin application to do registration. But it was like really a nightmare to make it compliant to all the different countries and the legal implications of VAT, etc. And so Celestino said like, okay, you know what, I'll do this. And, and he started Alfio, which is an open source registration app, really good application. And so those two, Alfio and the CFP, and then of course, WordPress as the website, those three are basically the cornerstones for, for our software, or how I, I call it, conference in a box type of software platform. And then people like Casper um, uh, Kohls, who works at Kortrijk, or sorry, in Bruges, I think, at Vivis, he wrote the digital signage where we have like these uh, Chrome bits that go into a screen and then it talks to the CFP and it shows the signage. We had other people who were building the Twitter wall. And that's the whole thing. I'm like the Twitter wall, it's open source by, by Sven Peters and his friend. And, you know, people just see it. The, the, the enthusiasm is there. They hack on it. They do a buff session. And you get these all smart people who love playing with technology, like even with Raspberry Pis. I mean, we did Raspberry Pis at a certain moment where you had an NFC wristband. Instead of a badge, you had a wristband with NFC. And then when you went out of the room, you could vote for your talk using a Raspberry Pi NFC voting. And go like, you know, just geeks having fun with technology and trying to apply it to an event. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where I get, as you can hear, that's where I get the excitement from. (laughs) 
Uh, one of the most fun sessions I saw was actually when you were looking for some kind of tool or framework to schedule the uh, uh, to make the schedule of DevOps, and you basically yeah. had two competitors on stage. Like, okay, you you two hash it out, and exactly. I'll, I'll use whatever comes out of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had multiple things, but we even had like these uh, Bluetooth beacons, where which which were really hardware devices, and we spread it. We, we used like one weekend to go over Antwerp, and we spread it all over the place. And then we built, well, not me, but Mike Sehers and Peter Kuterna, they built an Android and iOS app to find the beacons. So you had attendees running in Antwerp searching these beacons. And it's like, oh man, it's it's just really having fun with technology and see how you can apply it to an event. Mm -hmm. There's even some Java Vix in the mix with the, the mobile app. Yes, done by Gluon. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. The mobile app uh, was developed by Gluon first for Java 1, uh, and then they were allowed to make it open source. Uh, and then basically Johan Voss suggested, to, to, or I spoke to Johan Voss and we used it for DevOps. So yeah, I mean, again, we're being creative with technology and trying to apply it. And, and actually a lot of startups have been created based on that. Like I know like the, the, the Beacon game was a Polish company, I think Scala.io or some Scala, some Scala company is called, they commercialized that one. Or even with the, the, the NFC wristband, we had Playpass, which was a startup in Antwerp using it for rock concerts. Uh, so it, it's really nice to see how these ideas, because, you know, you can have many ideas, but the execution is, of course, you know, the, the, the biggest challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, so I prefer to do R&D and uh, quick prototypes. And then that's where I stop. You need someone who keeps an eye on the money. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that should not be me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stefan, uh, DevOps didn't start as DevOps. It was Java Polis, I think, originally. There is some history there in the name. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Java Pool is the name came basically because we were a Java centric event run by Belgium Java user group in the beginning of the, the, the event. And it was happening in Kinipolis, which we've been organizing it for the last 22 years. So Java Kinipolis, hey, Java Pool is great name. So we went for Java Polis. And I think the first 10 years, roughly, or eight years, it was fine because we were like still under the radar of, of Sun Microsystems legal department. But around, I think, 2006, it was still Sun Microsystems. They, they actually saw like, hmm, this, this Java Police event is becoming a bit too big. We should knock on the door and see what we can do. And they basically hit me with the fact that Java is trademarked and you can't use a name which is trademarked, which is which is definitely fair. Um, because if you are a trademark owner, you need to protect your mm -hmm. mark, your trademark. Otherwise, you know, it's it's you, you can't enforce it. So it was totally fine. I mean, okay, I had lots of sleepless nights. I had nightmares because of this, seriously, because mm -hmm. I was like, what will happen? And I went to a marketing company in Kortrijk, and they came up with a new name. and said Javox, J-A-V-O-X-X, Javox, Vox, which is voice in Greece, uh, Greek, I think. Uh, so the voice of Java developers. Perfect. Sounds great. Like nice icons and so on. So and I remember that we announced it on the Wednesday, and the Wednesday evening. I immediately got another email from the legal department from Sun Microsystems saying Javox is not okay because it's J-A-V and that's three letters from Java, so it's still too close to the trademark. And I went like, oh man, seriously? So I was like really depressed. Uh, and then I remember Robin Mulkers, who used to work at IBM. I don't know, maybe he still works there. He went like, oh, it's okay. 
just say DevOx instead of JavaOx. So the same day, in the morning, we announced JavaOx, and in the evening, we announced, okay, we're going to rebrand it to DevOx. And we did two Xs because I wanted to have a unique, I, I didn't want any search results on Google. So when you enter DevOx with one X, there were still some search results, mm -hmm. but with two Xs, there were no search results. So that was a clean name, which is really great. Uh, and just to be safe, I also registered DevOx with three Xs, so nobody would create the uncensored <laughs> version of our <laughs> So DevOps.com is protected. <laughs> okay. And, and since then, it did not have any impact on the attendees. I mean, people knew about the story. I mean, they they even, you know, they, they sympathized, sympathized with us about the whole scenario. I mean, I didn't really play it publicly, but people knew that yeah, it was a forced thing to, to, mm -hmm. by us to, to, to do. And since then, it's DevOps, and I think it's great. Um, you know, a unique name, a strong brand. And, and, and maybe as a follow-up, Frank, just while I'm just exciting about this talk, is that, you know, the whole franchise thing happened actually because of Antonio Gonzalez. Because I wasn't planning to conquer the world or create an empire. <laughs> Where's my cat? She's like, <laughs> but... Uh, Antonio, he actually came to my place for a weekend uh, and he was running the Paris Java user group at that time. And he wanted to do a big event with his Paris Java user group, but he knew about my experience where I lost like quite a bit of money the first three years. And he said, like, I don't have the financial buffer, so I can't afford doing something. And after two bottles of wine, each of us were, were drinking a bottle of wine, we came like, oh, we should franchise it. And that's basically where the whole franchise idea started. So Paris Jack did a franchise of the DevOps brand, and that basically created a whole chain of, of other new initiatives where either some wanted to rebrand, like Poland was the, was a 33 degrees in the past. And just by rebranding, he doubled the number of attendees, he doubled the number of sponsors. And so different organizers saw that as, a, as an opportunity to actually increase their, their attendance. And how this franchise actually work is that you give them the brand name and also the logic behind it, all the, the tools. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like McDonald's. I mean, I give them the brands, but also all the tooling. So they use the CFP, I host the CFP for them, and then I update it on a daily basis the registration they use so and i get a royalty fee based on the revenue that they make mm -hmm. so that way i can do this as a full-time job they basically pay my salary yeah and you can keep experimenting R&Ding, and trying out different stuff Absolutely. within these tools what, what i love to do i mean even if i would not get paid this is what i want to do yes sounds great um what are the future plans for devox Personally, I think like just repeating what we're doing and, and coming up with great talks is, is more than enough for me. Uh, so just to, to be clear, I'm not actively looking for other countries or events. They actually contact me and say like, hey, are you interested in, in collaborating? Mm -hmm. a, a bit like with, with, with Tom as well. I mean, he reached out to me and I'm more than happy to support him in whatever, whatever way possible and, and just having fun. We'll see what happens. I mean, there's Vox Days coming and going uh, because Vox Days is, is this other thing where mm -hmm. I, I think, and that was Mark Hazel's idea where people were doing like a DevOps for kids. And then I was like, oh, this was so much fun. Let's do a DevOps now for big kids. But like doing a DevOps for kids for 40 children and doing a DevOps for 2000 big children, it's a big, big difference. Mm -hmm. So that's where Vox Days came into action. And it's like an incubator where a Java user group can start with a small event like, like we've done in Belgium or in many other countries 
and then maybe grow into a DevOps like DevOps Greece has done this year. Olivier, what are your plans for Brewjerk? I'm currently trying to reach some speaker for the next season because I would like it to be more consistent than uh, it was this year. Also, what I would like maybe to, to try experimenting if see if some people are interesting into some more informal uh, session like book reviews and things like that. Uh, that's uh, also something I would like to, to give it a try at least. But more broadly speaking, um, I'm also looking for volunteers who would like to help me into maintaining the, the, the jug because uh, currently it's a one-man show. I have some friends that help me hold the doors during the, the, the sessions, but that's basically it. So, uh, yeah, I'm not looking for sponsor or anything like that, but just more enthusiasts are willing to uh, look over for uh, other speakers, maybe uh, give talks themselves, help organizing stuff. Yeah, just normal jug stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and the same question for uh, B-Jug, Tom. Uh, there is a co cooperation between Brewjug and B-Jug because, yeah, Belgium is not that big. <laughs> um, so what are the plans there? So, yeah, Olivia and I talk uh, on occasion. Uh, so the next event will actually be in Brussels. Uh, we got uh, Grace Janse from the Janse family, which Stefan uh, had a nice picture <laughs> with recently. And uh, Emily Jang from uh, IBM are coming to Brussels in June. So that's not announced yet, but it will be on Meetup soon. And then in July, we have one more event called the Brazil event, because we actually have a big, uh, big name. Bruno Javaman Souza is coming over to uh, Europe and I asked him, hey, do you want to jump by? It's the Belgian jug. And Antwerp jug never got this kind of response. When you say it's the Belgian jug, everyone wants to come. So that's a bit of a luxury position we're in. Uh, and then it becomes a bit tricky because I'm becoming a father for the first time in August. And I have, as I said, we've open sourced the jug so anyone can host an event. There are some guidelines as long as you obey the guidelines and anyone can host it. So it's going to be a bit... Uh, Interesting to see uh, if it actually works without me uh, tightly holding the reins, but I'm pretty confident we will. Uh, one of the other events that I'm looking forward to, and that actually ties in with what maybe Stefan wants to still say, is uh, since we have this uh, speaker training event, uh, I know that the DevOps CFP is opening tomorrow. I'm looking right. at Stefan. Yeah, tomorrow. Yes. So uh, that's the 1st of June, because I don't know when this recording is going up. And we'll actually have a speaker training, but then focused on the abstract. The previous speaker training was just feeling confident, how to speak, give some feedback on the general presentation. But this one will be specifically about uh, writing an abstract to help yeah, some speakers write abstracts that are not immediately shut down or just contains some some silly mistakes that get filtered out immediately mm -hmm. and one thing that i want to point out because uh, uh, it's something that's been on my list since day one that i took over there's actually a other user group called women code be which is a meetup group just for women so they can uh, find a group and then stick together because it's quite daunting as, as a woman to just go into a pretty male-dominated user group. And this is kind of a jumpstart user group where a bunch of women get together, they, they make friends, and then they go to other uh, user groups. And I was in contact with one of the leaders of that group, and she said, oh, we actually have an interest in Java, but we don't know where to go. And I said, excellent, let's collaborate on this. So somewhere in October or November, we're going to do a joint event together and bring Women Code BE and the Belgian Java user group uh, together to introduce more people that way. So that's something I'm very, very excited about. Nice. A lot to look forward to. Okay. 
Anything you want to add still? Well, just as a, as a promo is this, yes, the call for papers will open uh, from the 1st of June till mid-July. And registrations will open on the 16th of August at 9 o'clock sharp. And we'll probably sell out five minutes later as well again. But we'll do two batches. Uh, so hopefully you'll be able to get the second batch. And the reason why we're doing it in August is that once we've declined and accepted all the speakers, people who did not get in as a speaker can still at least try to get a ticket. Um, so that's why we've moved registration after the CFP. Mm. The only downside of doing that is that we also have community reviews where people can actually review talks. And this is also actually interesting. Like for, I know Tom has been doing this already for a couple of times, is that as a as a user group uh, leader, you actually see all the talks and speakers passing by, which can also give you some type of ideas to invite them if or if not, they get selected for DevOps that they could speak at your Java user group. Oh, my marvelous plan has just been displayed like this. <laughs> well, there's multiple Java user group leaders who do this. I know also exactly. the guys from the, the Netherlands do the same thing, which I'm totally fine with. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's why it's called community review. And having a good uh, CFP proposal is indeed important because I, I cannot remember the numbers correctly, but it was about 700 proposals for 120 talks last day. Oh, no, it's much more. It's a thousand more. proposals for 220 slots, but we limit the number of proposals to three proposals per speaker because in the past we, we did unlimited and then you have like Simon Ritter uh, publishing his 20 talks that he can do. Uh, so it becomes a nightmare, of course. But yeah, you can submit three talks. A call for everyone to do that for the next DevOps. And that's, by the way, the easiest way to get a ticket. Uh, absolutely. You get a free ticket. You come to, you're invited to the dinner, etc. So it's definitely a VIP experience uh, to go to DevOps for sure. Uh, if I can add one more thing from the BJIC perspective, uh, I haven't discussed this with Stefan yet, but I would like to do something around DevOps, like outside the venue, maybe a city tour or something. So if anyone has any nice ideas, just get in touch. I'm pretty sure we'll list the GitHub page with where people can leave their ideas or pick up tasks. Uh, just get in touch and, and join us. It's so much fun to, to guide people around and just have some fun. Well, Tom is basically the Chinese volunteer to do the speaker uh, tour in Antwerp. And, and basically we've officialized it by uh, via this podcast. Uh, my <laughs> wife and unborn child disagree for this year, I'm afraid, but we'll, we'll see what I can do. <laughs> if you come to Iper, Iper with DevOps, I will do the tour. <laughs> Well, I mean, there are some funny anecdotes, but I'll keep them for the, the opening keynote uh, this year. But I could tell you some stories of speakers, why they actually speak at DevOps, uh, but that's that's for later. Okay. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for joining this podcast recording, sharing your experience and, and all the history of the of the jugs. Also, thank you, the listeners, of course. Uh, keep an eye on Fuji for future articles about development and everything related to the Java world. Give me a food. Give me a J, give me the friends of OpenJDK.